a little girl, the eldest of three, uh, went by the name, a nickname Jukies or Juke, and she was from a well-to-do family. Uh, her, her father was a real estate investor out in California. This is uh, out in the early 1900s. Uh, 1912, in fact, is when she was born out in Pasadena, California. And her, her father, again, was a, he was a Princeton grad. He was a real estate investor, and her mother was an heiress to a paper company. So she, uh, again, grew up in a, a well-to-do family. She was educated at the best schools, all-girl schools in California, private schools. And she, she stood out, uh, literally. She was six foot two, which made her the tallest girl in her class. And she was described as a prankster, as adventurous, and as a, athletic. And after high school, she moved east to attend uh, college out in Massachusetts. And there she learned to be a writer. She developed some writing skills. That's what she wanted to do with her life. But after eventually a while, she decided to change careers. And so she moved down or over to New York City, got a job at a prestigious ad department in New York and was uh, doing marketing for a little while. Well, eventually that got tiresome. And so she moved down to uh, Washington, D.C. in her early 30s and became part of uh, this uh, new Office of Strategic Services uh, right around when World War II began. And this, uh, this career took her around to different places throughout the country. And so you can kind of see this pattern of, uh, you know, changing careers, changing career paths. And, and eventually, uh, while she was working for the government, she got assigned to Paris, France. And so she goes to Paris, France. And while she's there, she starts to develop this love for French cuisine. And uh, uh, you might know her by uh, her name, Julia Child. You know, I guess if you're a little bit older, you, you remember Julia Child. Now, she changed careers and the rest is history. You know, she said, when I was 32, you know, the only thing I did was eat, right? She didn't know anything about cooking, but her cookbooks that she came up with were groundbreaking. She brought French cuisine to the United States. Uh, her, her cookbook was actually a bestseller for five straight years, and she became one of the first star chefs. You know, we, we see that we, today we have the Food Network, and we have all of these chefs who are on TV constantly, and she was kind of one of the first to do this. She brought entertainment to what is normally an educational show. And, you know, she'd be cooking her steak and she'd say something to the effect of, you know, the only time to eat diet food is while the steak is grilling. You know, and she really, she brought entertainment to that. And she certainly was ahead of her time at changing careers, right, later in life. You know, I've... Uh, I've done that as well. Take it from someone who's changed careers later in life. It can be challenging. It can be challenging from going from a Monday through Friday, you know, nine to five job to where, you know, you're working seven days a week sometimes and where uh, you're, you're always working on Sunday. Right. And uh, as a minister, you know, uh, you know, you don't always understand. You don't always know if you're making a difference. Right? In a lot of careers, you know that, right? You can look in the company's um, uh, bank account and see how well they're doing. You can look into the warehouse and see how many widgets or whatever you have in the warehouse. And you can see physically the results of how you're doing there. But spiritually, it's sometimes harder. Dealing with spiritual issues, sometimes you just don't know. Well, there was someone else in Scripture who changed careers later in life. And that's who we're going to talk about here this morning. And that, of course, is the Apostle Paul. But he didn't, of course, change careers. He changed life. He, he changed his religion to follow Jesus. And I've often wondered about the Apostle Paul, and maybe you have too, of all the abuse that he endured, of all the beatings, the persecution, the harassment from his own countrymen. Did he have doubts while he was serving the Lord? 
Did he wonder if he was making a difference when he would go from city to city to preach Jesus? Well, I think we have our answer for us in Scripture. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11, because that's going to be our main text here this morning in Philippians chapter 3. Because I think we have our answer here as to if Paul understood if he made a difference in, those other, in other people's lives. And we're going to focus on that passage. Because at the end of the day, when we get to the end of the, these verses, he's going to say that he was attempting to attain something. You and I, if we're following Jesus, we also are attempting to attain something this morning. And just what is it? Well, he's going to let us know here in a moment. You know, today is the day that the world celebrates sort of uh, as the day that Jesus uh, rose from the dead. You know, the world refers to it as Easter. Uh, But of course, we understand that this was never a day to be meant to be memorialized in one day in one box and just forget about it the rest of the year. Right. Uh, The resurrection of Jesus is something that we need to remember every single day of our lives and how important it is. You know, in Romans chapter one, verse four, Paul said that because of the resurrection of Jesus, because he was resurrected, resurrected, he was declared the son of God with power through the resurrection. But that's how powerful the resurrection was, that it declared Jesus the Son of God. And what was just read here a moment ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll look a little bit more at this this evening in this evening's lesson. Paul again says, without it, without the resurrection of Jesus, our faith is worthless. Our faith is vain. Why are we even here this morning if Jesus wasn't resurrected? And then he also says that we are still in our sins if Jesus hadn't been resurrected. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at Paul's career change. I want to notice briefly, you know, why? Why did he change careers? Why did he go from a Pharisee of a Pharisee to a Christian who was living his life serving Jesus? Why give up something so familiar, a life that was so grand uh, to give to be beaten and to be harassed? And those things. And those are the important questions we want to notice this morning. So let's begin in verses. Well, let's just begin in verse one as we read through verse six. And we're going to notice here Paul's resume. Philippians chapter three, beginning in verse one. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same thing again to you is no trouble to me. And it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. So here Paul is, he's laying out his resume. He says, first, look at my roots. He says, first, I I was circumcised the eighth day. Right? We know from the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 17 that the circumcision of a male was a sign of his covenant with God. And not only that, but the Israelites were commanded to do that circumcision on the eighth day. And so Paul's saying that directly. I was circumcised on the eighth day. See, he's saying, I'm not a proselyte, right? I'm not somebody who was converted to Judaism later in life, but I grew up as a Jew. I was circumcised the eighth day as it was commanded by God to Abraham. He says, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, right? Genealogies meant a lot to the Jews. It doesn't mean so much to you and I, does it? 
You know, I can think of my family line and, you know, I can, maybe some of my great grandparents I know, but not all of them. And it's really not that important to me. But to the Jew, that was extremely important. You wanted to know what tribe you were from. You wanted to know who your great, 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 great grandfather was. That was important to the Jews. Paul says, I'm uh, uh, even from the tribe of Benjamin. You know, Benjamin was an important tribe in the Old Testament. Uh, we can think of one of the first king of Israel. King Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. You remember when the nation split? Uh, and when Israel splits, uh, the ten tribes of the northern uh, stay there with Jeroboam. And then you got the two tribes in the south that stay faithful to David, uh, to David's lineage and, and Rehoboam. Well, those two tribes were Judah and Benjamin. And so Paul's, Paul's extremely proud of his tribal history. He says, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. That's one of the tribes that stayed faithful to God's people, to, to stayed faithful to David's line. Then he also says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Right? That, that, that term Hebrew uh, is first described of, of Abraham back in Genesis chapter 14, verse 13. So again, what Paul's saying here is, you know, both of my parents were Hebrews. I'm full-blooded Hebrew. I'm authentic. I'm genuine. I'm the real deal. It doesn't get anything better than this. Those are my roots uh, on my resume. And then he goes on to show his religious identity. Again, he says, I'm a Pharisee. Right? We understand the Pharisees were the strictest sect of the Jewish religion. And he even says uh, later on in the book of Acts that he was studied under Gamaliel, who was the most respected rabbi of that time. You know, we think of coaching trees in sports, right? Uh, you know, this guy got hired because he was uh, tutelaged under this certain coach. Well, that's sort of the same thing, right? Paul was tutelaged. He studied under Gamaliel. And so he is a Pharisee of Pharisees. He says, I'm a zealous persecutor of the church. You know, Paul wasn't somebody who when he saw Judaism being attacked by this, this new religion that was coming on the scene, he wasn't somebody that just sat back and watched it happen, hoped it went away. But he says that I was zealous for persecuting the church. We know later on in the book of Acts, he'll mention that he went and locked up some of the saints in jail. He cast his vote against them. He tried to force them to blaspheme. He pursued them from city to city. And Paul's, again, he's saying, I have a passion for Judaism. I had a zeal for Judaism, for what I thought was right. And then finally, in that passage we just read, he said, I was a keeper of the law found blameless. And not that he was sinless or perfect, but that there was no charge. There was no accusation that could have been made against Paul religiously. Right? If Judaism was a test, he got 100% on it. That's a pretty impressive resume, isn't it? That's a resume you and I'd like to have to turn into a potential employer. See, he's an up-and-coming rising star in Judaism. But in light, in light of this new identity in Christ that he's going to reveal to us in these next few verses, none of that meant anything. And we're going to see why he decides to change careers. So let's, let's look at verses 7 and 8 here. Paul says, But whatever things are gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Again, did you notice all those things that we just read about that, that Paul said these were gains for me? These were advantages for me in this life. His standing as a Jew, right? That, that was a political um, uh, increase, political security. It gave him recognition. Again, he was this up-and-coming people. Uh, people knew about uh, Saul of Tarsus. You know, that's sort of like 
uh, again, you know, you're growing up in a college town and you hit that big shot or you make that kick to win the game. You're never going to have to buy a meal in that town again, are you? Because every restaurant in town is going to uh, want to feed you and uh, give you that free meal. It's sort of the same thing with Paul. Right? He would never have to worry about uh, having to buy a meal uh, in, in Israel. Because uh, that's how important he was to the people. And his religious devotion. He, again, he says, I'm a Pharisee. You know, the, the people looked up to the Pharisees. They looked up to them as, as the elite of the day. They looked up to them. They wanted to hear their prayers in the streets. Uh, they, they wanted to see them uh, fasting. Uh, they wanted to see them giving. He was advancing in Judaism beyond his other countrymen. He even says that in Galatians chapter 1, verse 14. Uh, I was advancing beyond uh, my contemporaries at the time. Uh, he was an up-and-coming rising star, a leader of men. Remember at, at the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 7 when he gives that great sermon, Stephen does, and because of that he upsets the Jews and the Jews stone him to death? Well, do you remember who they piled their coats around? It was this young man by the name of Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He was a leader of men. But Paul says, I count all of those things now as rubbish, as garbage. I count them now as lost for the sake of Christ. Now, it's not that these things didn't have value to him. But what he's saying is compared to living without Christ in my life and having these great uh, things in my life, it disgusts me now. It, it makes me sick to my stomach now. It repulses me now. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just stopped and thanked about your life B.C., before Christ, before you, know, you became a Christian? You, you think back of where you were. Have you ever done that? You know, you think about, well, I had this and I had that, but I gave those things up to now have Christ. Where would I be today if I never decided to follow Jesus? You know, maybe it was a job or a career path that you were on and you were like to the point where I'm never at home to be with my family. Maybe I need to give this up. Or maybe it was a relationship you had with somebody who was pulling you away from Christ, pulling you away from the church. Does it make you sick to your stomach when you go back and you think of where you were when you were lost, when you were outside of Christ? I wonder if Paul did as well. What if I didn't have the strength to distance myself? What if I never changed career paths? But Paul says, I have suffered the loss of all things. I have put all of those things, my Judaism, uh, the Pharisee of a Pharisee. I have put all those things in the trash can. And that's okay. Because now I have gained Christ. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. Notice he says here, and here's the result. The result of these actions. He says, well, let's, let's begin right at the, at the end of verse 8. It says, and account them rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul is telling us this is why I changed career paths. This is why I left everything behind and now I follow Jesus. This, or this, morning, this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ... This, this part is especially for you. Because I want you to notice what Paul again is saying. That, <clears throat> that I, you know, I had the greatest of lives. 
but I'm giving that up to follow Christ. And there are a lot of different things in here. We're just going to focus in on five here this morning. But notice the first one, it says, so that I may be found in him. Friends, there is no safer place to be when, 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 when we die from this life or when Jesus returns than being in him. You know, one of my favorite uh, passages to read uh, in a funeral service comes from Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, that says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Right? Not blessed who are dead who die outside of the Lord, but blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. That's where I want to be found. Right? That's where I want my permanent uh, address to be found when he returns. You know, in Christ, in him, we're told in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, that's where all spiritual blessings are found. Redemption, forgiveness, adoption, and inheritance, and so on and so forth. Uh, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, that salvation is found in Christ. That's where I want to be, in Christ. But what does that even mean? I mean, how do I even get into Christ, someone might be asking. Well, we know as we take some of the scriptures, as we study the Bible together, we know that the Bible says that there is but one body, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and that Jesus is the head of that body, which Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and verse 23 tell us that is the church. The body is the church, and Jesus is the head of that church. So we want to be in that body, don't we? We want to be in that church. When he returns, we want to be found in him. Well, how do we get into him? Well, we're told a couple of places, Romans chapter 6, verse 3, and Galatians 3, verse 27, right, that we are baptized into Christ. And so Paul says, here's one of the reasons why I changed career paths is because I wanted to be found in him. Next, he says, another reason is because of a righteousness from God, not from the law. See, righteousness, that's a word that you and I don't use too often, do we? But it just simply means the quality or state of being right or being just. And we know that in the Old Testament, uh, the, the, the Jews followed the, the commands of Moses, the law of Moses, in order to be righteous. But we also know that no one could follow the law perfectly except for Jesus. Nobody could follow the law perfectly. But God's way of making people righteous today, it's revealed through the gospel message. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, in particular, in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Paul understands now that he can't be made righteous by the old law. He just can't do it. And so he wants to find that he wants that righteousness that only God can provide. Only faith, he says, in Christ can make one righteous. Faith, an act of faith. It's not a mere mental assent to saying, I believe in Jesus, but it's being active in that faith, obeying, trusting, believing. That's a righteous faith. And that righteousness comes from God and not myself. And Paul understands that now. He gave up everything to be righteous in God's eyes. That only God can provide. Look at this third one he says, knowing Christ, there in verse 10. He wanted to know Christ. You know, there's a big difference uh, from uh, knowing Christ, knowing about Christ, and then knowing Christ. Right? He just didn't want to learn about Christ, learn some uh, facts about him, but he desired a close relationship with him. 
You know, before I began dating Angela some, you know, 22 years ago or so, uh, I had to come to a knowledge about her, right? I, had, I saw her. I wanted to get to know her a little bit. And so I needed, I needed some facts, right? I needed to know her name. I needed to know her phone number and if she'd give it to me. I, I needed to know where she lived. Now, all of these facts, you know, I needed to know about her because I wanted to know about her, right? Because I, I was interested in her. But at some point, in order for that relationship to develop, I, I need to get to know her. I need to take her out on a date. I need to take her to a fancy restaurant and, and get to know her a little bit. That's how you develop a deeper relationship, right? And Paul says, I want to know Christ. I don't want to just know uh, something about him, but I want to know him. I want to have this relationship with him. We do that by praying to him or praying. We do that by, by studying his word. We do that by obeying his commands. That's how we get to know him. And again, that's one of the reasons why Paul gave up that life in Judaism. These final two points are really are going to be the emphasis of this lesson here. And then we'll close. But notice this fourth point that he says in that verse. That he wants to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, we know a little bit about some of the power that came with his death, right? Remember when he dies, the, the, the veil of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom. We know the earth shook, the, the rocks were split. We even know that some of the saints came out of their tombs. I mean, there was a power on that day, uh, on that Friday, uh, that, or excuse me, that Sunday, that day that he was resurrected from the dead. And the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus demonstrated that he had conquered death. You know, how significant was that to the Apostle Paul? Or should I say uh, Saul of Tarsus? As he's on that road in Acts chapter 9, that Damascus road, you know, how, would Christianity's number one enemy at that time, would he have converted to Christianity if it wasn't for the resurrection? Remember, he, he's walking down that road and he hears that voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, isn't that interesting that he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Haven't we read in the scriptures that Jesus... Or that, that, that Saul was uh, persecuting the church, right? He, he was locking up the saints. He, he was casting his vote against them. But yet Jesus says, why are you persecuting against me? You know, and that's a little bit of a side note. That, that when, we, uh, when people badmouth the church, when they gossip about the church, we're doing those things to Jesus, aren't we? Because Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? But Saul, he hears those words and he's told, here's what you need to do, right? Go into the city and there you're going to meet a man by the name of Ananias and he's going to tell you what you must do. And so Saul was blinded those three days, wasn't he? As he goes to, uh, into Damascus, as he waits there for Ananias who lays his hands on him and regains his sight and he tells him, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Again, we think, would the apostle Paul would he, would he even be here in the scriptures today if it wasn't for the resurrected Jesus? The resurrection was a propelling force behind his conversion. And he, again, he says, I want to know that power. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. And then finally attaining the resurrection from the dead. You know, we're really in this lesson, we're talking about two different resurrections. At first, we just talked about Jesus's resurrection. But now Paul says, I want to attain that resurrection. I want to take part in a resurrection. And of course, this is the grand finale that Paul's getting at. This is why he changed careers. This is what it's all about to him, because he is attempting to attain something 
in this life. You know, the, to attain something, to reach for, to, to succeed at getting at. You know, you've desired something, you've worked at it your whole life, and now you've attained it. Right? Sometimes we focus on career goals and we focus in on uh, health and, and fitness goals. But how many of us attempt to attain spiritual goals like the Apostle Paul? He says, this is why I gave up Judaism. And notice here, verse 11, it says, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. This is not a, uh, an expression of doubt, but humility. You remember back in John chapter 11, uh, this is the resurrection of Lazarus. You remember Jesus finds out that uh, his good friend John, or excuse me, his good friend Lazarus has, has died. And so he delays in coming to Bethany to see him. But when he finally gets there in John chapter 11, verse uh, 24, remember, he, he talks to Martha first. Martha, she comes out and she says to him, I know, speaking about her brother Lazarus, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. See, she was certain that there's going to be a resurrection on the last day. She had heard that teaching from whether it was from Jesus or, or someone else. And then notice what Jesus says right following that in verse 25. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Paul believed this. The Apostle Paul, he said, I want to experience it. I want to know what it's all about. And we know that on that day of judgment, John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29 lets us know that on that day, there's going to be a resurrection, a resurrection to life, eternal life. But there are also some that will be resurrected to judgment, he says there. But I, Paul says, I want to experience that, that resurrection of eternal life. You know, you and I, we focus so much on heaven, don't we? And so rightfully so. You know, the Bible describes it in such beautiful words, especially in the book of Revelation. But what about the resurrection? We often forget that that's got to take place before heaven. Now, are you, are, are you looking to attain that? Uh, are you looking to attain the resurrection as the Apostle Paul? Again, here's a result of him changing careers. I gave up everything. I gave up a life in Judaism. I gave up the best things that that life could offer because I want to attain to the resurrection. This morning, knowing Christ in this life it leads to knowing Christ in the next. And I won't deny that there is a cost to becoming a Christian. Paul gave up quite a bit to serve Jesus, didn't he? We can ask the same things our, uh, this morning to ourselves. What have we given up to follow Jesus? But maybe a better question is, what about the cost of not being one? Right? We all need to look at our lives on this earth. We all need to reflect on our lives because our lives are but a vapor. James chapter 4, verse 14. But our Lord and Savior was resurrected from the dead. He, he defeated the grave. He arose from the tomb never to die again. And because of that fact, you and I, who have put on Christ in baptism, who have been added to his church, who have lived a faithful life to him, will have that opportunity to be resurrected to eternal life. Again, John chapter 5, verse 28, 29. That's a passage we ought to study because it says there, there will be a day uh, where, where the resurrection will happen. Those to eternal life who, who lived a righteous life and those to eternal judgment and those who lived an unrighteous life. And friends, take Paul's words seriously this morning. If there's something here that's holding you back this morning from serving the Lord, count it as rubbish. 
Do what Paul did and, and take those things that maybe are holding you back from serving the Lord and count it as rubbish. Put it in the trash can and say, I want to follow you faithfully this morning. I want to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And this morning, if we can help you in any way, and maybe you're here this morning and you haven't been baptized into Christ, we would love the opportunity to assist you with that, to, to hear God's word, believe Jesus is the Son of God, repent of our sins, confess him as Lord, and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And the Lord will add you to his church. And then we, we can see those results in our lives that Paul points out, that we're now found in him, that God has now made us righteous, that we can know him and study about him and develop that relationship, to know that power of the resurrection, but more importantly, to attain that resurrection from the dead on that great day, whether uh, it'll be in our lifetime or when we're uh, dead and gone and th- that day will happen in First Thessalonians chapter 4 that discuss the, the dead in Christ will rise first and then those who are alive will be caught up with him in the air. If we can help you this morning in, in any way to become a Christian or, or to pray for you if you need the prayers of this church, let us know as together we stand and sing.